Welcome to the Whiskey Congress. Honest, open talk dedicated to speaking the truth to those who are open to hearing it. Black, white, right, left. Most importantly, honest, bold, and fueled by good whiskey. In Whiskey Veritas, we are Whiskey Congress. Join the evolution. Whiskey Congress is back in session. Stephen and I are together in the Cleveland studio after a week off where... We were supposed to get together in New Orleans, but my flights got all jacked up and I had, couldn't go and I was really upset about it. But you made it and you probably ate some really good food and I'm kind of jealous. But uh, yeah, was- man. Um, so um, my nephew uh, was down there for the historically black college um, combine and uh, HBCU All-State Legacy Bowl. Um, which is a, an all-star game for the HBCU schools. Um, and it's just because those schools don't get the same sort of attention as like your Power Five or even your non-Power Five, sure. like your Mac and everything else. So, you know, they get a little separate thing just because if they didn't do something like this, then the NFL scouts just wouldn't go, right? Um, now, what's interesting is that, you know, arguably some of the, like not even arguably, some of the greatest players of all time in the NFL have come in from have come from HBCU schools, um, whether it be Jerry Rice, uh, even you know Terrell Owens, Walter Payton, um, and the list goes on. Now there are people who I'm sure are spouting off names of other players that went to HBCU schools. I'm aware of it, guys. Doug Williams, uh, who Doug Williams is there, is a big part of it. Got to see him. Um, oh really? That's yeah, cool. I didn't get a chance to talk to him, but I did get to see him. Um, I wasn't going to run across the hotel <laughs> lobby. They like yell at him, but um, you know, saw a lot of a lot of big names there. NFL Network does a great job of covering it. Um, they were all over it. Uh, my nephew was just blown away. Um, you know, he was texting me, just you know, sending me pictures. Um, you know, even when I was down there, it he just it was he got a taste of what the NFL really is, right, and can be, and the level of execution. And coming from an HBCU school, look. The schools are underfunded. They don't have a ton of resources. They try, you know, we've talked about it in the past, um, you know, but it's just not the same. I mean, comparatively, like, mind you, like they were doing, most of the stuff they were doing was at the uh, Saints facilities, right? Okay. Um, that had to be awesome. Which you. was awesome, right? They're playing, they're, you know, they're practicing in the Superdome. They're using the outdoor uh, practice, uh, act or outdoor practice field that the Saints use. You know, they're seeing their locker rooms and all that other stuff, so they get that whole experience. But then they were able to go, and then they were, you know, they played at Tulane Stadium, um, where Tulane plays football, the Green Wave. Um, and even then, he was just like, wow, their locker rooms are so nice, right? Like, so think about it. He's looking at Tulane, right? Which Tulane is the powerhouse of not much of anything, right? <laughs> Uh, they put some players in they, the they, Listen, they have, they, they, but they're not a powerhouse. Absolutely I mean, like, not, that's, that's not, not a. I'm and they not, saddled us with JP Law, the bill with JP Lawson. So right. Like, <laughs> so, but he's even looking at that and saying, like, wow, like, this is really nice compared to what we have, right? Like, so just every, everything about the experience was a step up for him. Um, and it was, it was cool to see. It was cool to talk to some of the different teams, um, you know, on his behalf. It, it was just a great all around experience. The game was kind of boring. It's an all-star game. They only have a week to do install and prepare. Um, they probably limit defense. Yeah, they limit they limit like defense. They limit offense. You had to, uh, like so it wasn't a great game to watch. I'll be honest. Um, but he, my nephew, did everything that he was supposed to do. Um, you know, measured in at like six four and like six four and a half and two forty. Um, body fat percentage insanely low. Um, I've seen pictures of your nephew. The kid is fucking. 
jacked. Yeah. Uh, he ran a good 40 time. Um, you know, it was, he wanted to run faster, but he, you know, he ended up running a 4.8. Uh, but that was more at, like his starts were slow, but then he's much faster on the field. It was crazy. Um, on like his one on ones and watching him like against these linebackers if the quarterbacks could throw, then he was open all day, but that's another conversation. Um but it was cool. So his next step is a is a pro day um back in Arkansas. Uh he'll have that here in a couple weeks. Um and then after that is the draft. Um I don't anticipate that he'll be drafted, but I do anticipate that he uh would likely be signed as a uh undrafted free agent. Um and so then we'll we'll go from there. Um, and kind of see see where this journey takes him. But it was a lot of fun. Well, I'm cool. I mean, that's cool. I'm glad he had a good experience. I'm glad you had a good experience. I wish I could have experienced it as well. Yeah. Um, you but, did miss out on the food, man. I mean, the etouffee, the gumbo, the uh, the red beans and rice with the uh, andouille sausage. Um, you know, I, or just red uh, beans and rice with andouille sausage? And, I mean, okay. I, got, I literally got all of those. <laughs> Um, not you too had beignets too, didn't you? Yeah, I got. I went to Cafe Beignet, uh, stood in line and and waited and got the uh, the beignets with the with the chocolate syrup and the strawberries. Because um, like I had all this time to kill on Sunday, so I went in line right to wait for the beignet, and I almost got out of line. Like I'm not waiting in this line, and I'm like, what the fuck else do you have to do? <laughs> right, it was like nine in the morning, nine or ten in the morning, and my flight didn't leave until seven thirty at night. So, or no, it wasn't that early. I think by then, because I had actually, I'd already gone and got breakfast at Oceana Grill and um, had a great breakfast. It was like shrimp and grits and crawfish and I got a waffle, ate great. So then I walked over to Cafe Beignet. Cafe Dumont, right? No. Cafe Beignet. Okay, cool. Um, I know, I know where I was at, sir, who was not there. Um, I got, so I got my beignets, which were fantastic. Right. And for, if you don't know what a beignet is basically like a perfectly square elephant ear, but I don't know how they do it, but they make the inside of these things just like the perfect balance of moisture and yet like consistency, like everything about it is great with the powdered sugar and then you have the syrup and strawberries is fantastic. Um, and then I found a nice little cigar bar down there that I basically was like my home base. Um, you know, because it had a full bar with this insane whiskey and rum collection, right? Insane. Like you probably you we you probably would have died down there, like <laughs> just with the whiskey selection that they had. I wasn't overly impressed with the cigar selection, but there are there is some Louisiana grown tobacco, which actually were they had a couple different um, Louisiana tobacco cigars that were actually really good, um, which I didn't know what to expect. And I, I was actually really impressed with with um, with what they had down there in that regard. Um, but the lounge itself, oh my god, it was perfect. Um, like good smoke eaters and stuff like that. Oh or? yeah, I mean like well, one they got the doors and windows open, right? Oh, but then they had points. great, you know, like but they've got you know window, or they've got smoke eaters, they've got fans. But there's like a full bar. There's your humidor, and then you walk down. There's like a lounge, TVs. Um, uh, Oh my God, I can't think of his name. Carl uh, Malone had a locker there, which is interesting because he's his post career antics I'm, I'm, are a yeah. little problematic. Well, but his pre career antics are like like everything. Too. Like he's a problematic person, but he was a good NBA player. He was a phenomenal NBA player. But um, you know, there and there were a number of people who had like signed lockers there, like you know names that you would recognize. I can't remember them all. I didn't take any pictures, but 
Um, and then they had like a really big lounge in the back that was, it looked like something almost very Game of Thrones-esque um, that I didn't spend a lot of time back there. I, I, I don't know why. It was a perfect sort of setting. Um, I ended up sitting at the bar and talking to people and talking to the bartenders, you know, drinking my soda water and non-alcoholic beer. But um, it was great. Like, I mean, it, it just, and oh, <laughs> and then there was a barbecue place right next to it. And they like, so you could sit there at the bar, smoke whatever, and then you could order food from the barbecue place next door. So the one night, like I had already eaten, I was stuffed. Me and Tristan crushed food. And then, uh, but like some, for some reason at like one o'clock in the morning, I'm hungry. I'm like, is, is the barbecue place still open? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, a brisket sandwich sounds good. And they're like, sure. Brought it out. Amazing. <laughs> So anyway. like, what, like a brisket sandwich at one in the morning. Dude. Yeah, like perfect. <laughs> this is perfect food. But I had a decent, like it wasn't a long walk, but it was, you know, like 10, 15 minute walk back to the hotel. So by the time I got back to the hotel, I walked it off. It was fine. I uh, did not uh, have quite as much fun as you. I was in a hotel on the outskirts of Baltimore and I spent plenty of time at the hotel bar listening to white people say stuff that they thought was safe to say in front of white people. The bartender, there's two bartenders there and, um, it's a there's a woman who I think is biracial, but she's certainly not white. And then the other bartender is a black guy with really long dreads. And these people were saying shit in front of them that I found very offensive. Just lots of lots of quiet stuff out loud. Like um, the woman sitting next to me mentioned she liked Taylor Swift a lot, but I can't stand her politics. I'm like, oh god, I know where this is going. And she brought up something of that nature like ten times, and then. I don't like, I'm a huge Ravens fan, but I, I don't like Lamar Jackson. He makes too much money. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to not go off on this old lady. She, she leaves, and this douchebag starts carrying the torch of uh, her mentality. And she says, and he says, I probably shouldn't say this. So don't. But there's certain positions blacks just shouldn't play like quarterback. Name a good black quarterback. And... I said, well, first of all, I agree. You shouldn't say that. And I was really, I was in smug mode, dude. I was not happy with all the things that had gone on. Yep. I was boozed up, and I was just teeing off on this cocksucker. And to the point where the bartender was like, you were being very belittling. I'm like, I'm being belittling because the guy's a douchebag. Another guy sits down next to me and is like, yeah, you know, they offer free Bud and Bud Light at happy hour. And he's like, Gross. I can't drink Bud Yeah, exactly. I can't drink Bud Light because of the Dylan Mulvaney thing. And I said, why? And after moments of silence, he goes, I really can't explain why. I said, well, that's very clear. <laughs> so, again, I, I was in full smug mode. You've seen it. Yeah. It, can get pretty, it can get pretty brutal. And I guess the bartender told me I was being belittling. And I'm like, yeah, I guess. But <laughs> I stand by my statements. But the, yeah. So when, when, uh, when he said, you know, name a good black quarterback, the guy next to me goes, Pat Mahomes. Okay, another one. Lamar Jackson. Oh, he's not that good. Dak Prescott. Oh, he's not that good. And you start. I didn't. I well, mad at myself for not saying C.J. Stroud just had rookie records. I didn't say that. And I. I mean, you had C.J. Stroud. You got. You also have Steve McNair. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Warren Moon. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an idiotic statement, Dante but Culpepper, but this is the shit that Doug you, Williams. You heard in 1980, and people just rolled with it. In 2024, hearing people saying this so comfortably. Granted, these are people my age and older, so they have clearly not progressed. Um, but there's a, uh, there's another interesting dynamic, right? Based off what you said about the bartenders, right? So you've got a black male and then you've got a possibly biracial woman that's probably black. Maybe, I don't know. 
Um, but then that's the situation that we find ourselves in as black people, right? Like, so people are saying in this the stuff, service industry, especially. right? Especially in the service industry, right? Like, so, you know, I've spent time as a bartender, as a bouncer, whatever. So you're in the situation where people are saying these things or whatever. And then you're put in this p- position of, all right, I need to stand up for myself here, but this can directly inf- impact my employment, my pay. Yeah. So... I have to figure out what the balance is, right? Like someone's blatantly and openly just like going beyond being disrespectful, right? Like, you know, once you get into these, like, even if you say, oh, well, it's not like, you you know what the intent is, right? Like we can feel it, right? Because we've like, the one thing that conservatives have done very well is basically cornered racism into you got to have a swastika, or you gotta be a member of the Ku Klux, Ku Klux Klan for it to really be racist, or you have to use the word nigger. If you don't use the word nigger, if it doesn't involve the Klan, if it doesn't involve swastikas, right? It can even involve the Confederate flag. That's not racist. That's just heritage. Right. Right. But anything, as long as as long as it's not the K, as long as you're not saying you know yay for the KKK, as long as you're not calling someone to their face a nigger. Right. Yeah. And as long as you don't have a swastika, then it's not racist. Right. It's just people having a conversation. Right. So then what happens is those same people. Right. When I call them out or, you know, you are especially when black people call them out on obvious veiled racism. Uh, then they could just say, I, I don't know what you're talking about. We're just having a conversation, and right? And they get so defensive, like, right? they oh, get so, oh, no, how dare you? I'm not racist. The worst thing I, you can do is call me a racist. No, the right. worst thing you can do is be a racist. Like, I, I know, I, like, they, they start talking about they know black people or they start right. talking about the black people that they like or, or what have you, right? And it's always these really weird, obscure references. Um, but, like, that, that, that's just such a, uh, like, yeah. I don't, it's, it's a fucked up situation having been in it. Right. Sometimes I act on it. Sometimes I don't. I have to do a cost benefit analysis. Right. Is it worth my time to say anything? Right. Is it like, you know, and and there are there are times where I've done the cost benefit analysis and I've I've been logical and said it is not worth your time to say anything. But and then I do. And then the people get mad. Right. And it's just like, I don't care. Like, you're not going to sit there because a lot of times it's very intentional. Right, you know how it's intentional because people will say it and they'll look at you, right? And then if you don't say anything, right, they'll they'll push it a little further, right? And then the the little side smile and the little you know kind of comes up like, oh, I could say whatever I want in front of this nigger. I got control of him. He can't do anything to me because he's gonna lose his job and his black ass won't be able to find another job. So I could do whatever I want. But then I say something, and then and it's you're, just you're a Black Panther, right? And then and then all of a sudden it's just like, whoa, 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 what the fuck? And then it's just like, guess what? I don't need this fucking job. I don't care, right? And me dragging your face across the floor doesn't bother me. Call the police. I may or may not be here by the time they get here, but you'll still be here because you won't be able to leave, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean and it just we've experienced this together right, we, in you've different seen it. ways, right? But yeah, we're patrons at a restaurant or bar, and one of the bars that you're a fucking rock star in. I know that people say different shit when you're not there because sometimes I am. Yep. And I've left there. Um, the bartender, the, the male bartender at uh, the the hotel, at one point it was just he and I at the bar, and I said, "Dude, I'm sorry you have to listen to that shit." And he goes, Pff. "He goes, you know." So he just blew it off. But it, but yeah, it's exactly what he said. Like he knows. And sometimes too, like, and I'll tell you this from my perspective, like, it, sometimes I know that it's hard for you to rap, but sometimes you. Like, you know, the white champion 
coming up to, hey man, I'm sorry you had to hear that. That doesn't make it better. Right? Like we talked about this. You know, I mean like it real like sometimes it's it's additional salt in the wound. Right? Like we all know what just happened. I I get it, but at the same time it's like, look, man, I, I, I don't need fucking a white savior. Right? I'm fine. Like, I don't need you to fight for me. Like, what the fuck are you gonna do for me? Really, I mean, like, no, well, realistically, what I what I do is smugly attack the people at the right, bar. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it's just like, look, I, because I like, look, I'm an aggressive person. I think that's a fair fair statement, right? Yes. Like, so here's the thing: there is no one on this planet that I am going to back down from if it comes to an actual fight, whoever it is. I may get my ass beat, but they're gonna know that they fought me, right? So. I shouldn't take that mentality because we live in a civilized society and fighting isn't the way, but that's usually said by people who can't fucking fight. Let's just be honest, right? Like, you know, people who can't fight, like, literally never ever want to fight, right? Or they always want to fight, but then they don't want to fight, right? Like, they're terrible at it. But the reality is, like, I'm an aggressive person. So the last thing I want, like, hey, man, I I, I went out there and I fought for you. Fuck you. Don't fight for me. Who the fuck are you? I don't need you to fight for me. You're not doing me anything. You're literally not doing me any favors. And it's also, here's the other thing. It's like that situation, not that big of a deal. Where it's bad, though, is when you got some white girl yelling and screaming at police on the street about the police being racist and all that other stuff. And that white girl thinks she's doing something. All you're doing uh, uh, Kelly or Kim Karen, or Kelsey a, or whatever, okay. all you're doing yelling at those fucking police is putting my life in danger. Every time you yell at them and tell them they're racist when they're literally just standing there or and they're actually not doing something racist or abusive or whatever is you're eroding right a relationship with someone that has nothing to do with you. Right, because at the end of the day, those police probably aren't going to do anything to you in that moment, right? But they're going to be annoyed, and it's going to be in the back of their head. So now, when they deal with me on another day or later that day, right, like that's that much more negativity that they've got built up that reduces the chance of the police to actually de-escalate a situation if they're dealing with me, and you put my life in danger because you're putting your need. To make sure that everyone knows that you're the white ally going out to help the black people and you put my fucking life in danger over your own like narcissism, right? And that's ultimately what it is. Like if you want to be an ally, then have my back. I don't like you need to get in the back, right? You don't you don't lead us from the front. That's the fucking problem. You know, so right. just throwing that in, out there. In, in my defense. I was responding to direct things being said. Yes, in the conversation uh, yeah, I and, I, and I'm saying and this is this is different. What I'm what yeah. I'm talking to is different. But that thing that you do can lead to that other thing that could get me killed, right? right. And so it's just like you got to pick and choose your battles. And so banter at the bar is one thing, but don't let it seep out into these bigger real world issues. Like, and you got to like, and it requires additional thought, right? Which is hard for some people. Like, I'm not attacking you. I'm just saying, like, some people don't play the whole movie out. Um, but just be be aware of that. Yep. No, that's that's fair. We've talked about things like that in the past and the whole I wanna it's one thing to be supportive and empathetic and, and aware. It's another thing to have to make sure everyone knows it. Yes. And that's what again, I was just being a smug dick, but two people who deserved Who's smug deserved? dickness. Yes. Um, <laughs> you want some smug dickness in your face? I, <laughs> I'm gonna smug dickish, my dickish dick all over your face. All right, and um, so 
Israeli Defense Force actions continue to do some really horrific shit. And is like they do this horrific shit and then they fucking just flat out lie about it. So this week we've got the flower massacre, right? Like so you've got um you know, Gaza, there's no food, right? Water, utilities, all that stuff. I mean, it, it's it's a war zone. Um, people are starving. Uh, people are sick. Um, you know, malnutrition, whatever. Wounded. Wounded. So, you know, there was, you know, flour was made available. So there's, you know, uh, you know, anyone who could was going on foot to try to get whatever they could in terms of flour, like actual flour to make bread or, you know, any, sure. to cook food. And um, the Israeli Defense Forces are saying, oh, yeah, it was, it was a stampede and people got hurt. And it's unfortunate maybe some people died. But there's eyewitnesses on the ground. There's literally overhead video of Israeli tanks literally shooting people, right? And people being shot not only with, you know, tank munitions, but also rifles. And it was... The Israeli, it, was it was the Israeli Defense Force who were the only ones there with guns and tanks. So, you know, and the medical examiners were like, yeah, you guys are saying these people were trampled, but these people have bullet holes in them. They're missing entire limbs. That doesn't happen in a stampede unless there's fucking warthogs involved, right? So what are you talking about? Um, and just once again, they just flat out lie about what they're doing and want to make it seem like, again, like somehow they're the victim here, right? Like, oh, we were doing them a favor, and uh, then they stampeded and made it terrible, and, and you know, now we're having to answer for their inability to control themselves to get, you know, flour so that they can make food so that they can maybe live, you know, another week. And um, the Biden administration deserves a shit ton of criticism for being the only country voting against a ceasefire. And the rationale for this happened, you know, one week, ago, yeah. a week ago. Uh, but, um, no, it happened again, recently, like, oh, while, we yeah. were, while we were apart. We were the only one to vote against it, and the rationale that was delivered by the Biden administration was, well, we were really close to negotiating uh, release of hostages, and this could damage those negotiations. That's not quite as bad an excuse and lie as, oh, it was a stampede, they just happened to have bullets, and, and but it's... It's as you know how where I stand on Trump. I've defended Biden maybe too much, but this is I got no defense for this. This was like we obstructed a ceasefire. There's no way you can convince me that a ceasefire wouldn't benefit. Dude, the when they, I was done with them in this with the Biden administration in this when they when they voted against uh, the UN's attempt to do this months ago, right? Right, I, I, like, but didn't we just abstain that time, and this time we actually voted against it? Like we were the only country it, stopping. No, look, people, innocent people. You, you had thousands of innocent people that were being murdered. Then I don't care whether you abstain. I don't care about the semantics. You vote to stop the innocent people from getting killed. That's that's yeah. it. Okay. I'm not. I'm not going to fucking sit here and say, "Oh, well, they just abstained. It's not as bad." It doesn't matter. That's not the point I was trying to make. My point is, well, I guess I'm saying this. I guess I am saying not as bad because I'm saying this is worse. This is like same bad. Yes. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Same bad. They didn't. And I think we're the fucking leader. We're allegedly the leader of the fucking free world. The UN building is in New York City. It's in New York City. It's in our city. It's in the 
big fucking apple. Yep. You don't abstain. You don't vote against it, right? If you're the leader of the free world, right, where you want people to have freedom, right, where we const- everyone's constantly talking about freedom, 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 then maybe when you see people just getting fucking massacred over a beef that goes back to, to pre-World War One, and even further than that goes back into the fucking pre-biblical times, then maybe you step in and just say, hey, you, you need to stop killing each other. But no, we don't have the... Listen, and I'll, I'm going to say this outright. If Biden loses his fucking... If, if he loses this, this uh, uh, election over this, I don't have a problem with it. I do not have a problem with it. Trump is of absolute fucking danger to our democracy and our republic. But what Biden is doing... How, like, I can't fucking stand by this. I can't support this. I, and, and I think... What the I, fuck are we supposed to do? If well, I got a complete dipshit, absolute, complete, utter dipshit who is surrounded by dangerous, maniacal fucking villains in Trump, and I got bumbling Biden in his administration, and I don't know what the fuck they're doing, but I know exactly what they're not doing, and what they're not doing is doing anything to stop the innocent murder of those people in fucking Gaza. I can't argue with that. So what the fuck are we supposed to do with those being our fucking options? Um, I mean, I, I will never vote for Donald Trump. And I will never skip a presidential election. So my, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't have the answer. I, I, my, 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 I don't I, have the my, answer. My answer. I'm just is, telling you. My answer is get Biden out of this fucking mix, which I know is not going to happen. I, I know who I want. I know it's not going to happen. But um, uh, you still want what's his name from Maryland? No, well, he's a Republican. Yeah, I'd love to see Larry Hogan run, but he's... Who do you, who Larry, do you want? John Tester, Montana senator. I think he's electable. He's not, though. Well, well, well yeah, we, we can argue about it, but no, 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 it's no, no, not no. going to happen. You know why he's not electable? He's <laughs> not running, right? Well, that, 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 you know what I'm saying? Well, but he's, he's started putting the feelers out. I think there's a lot of Democrats kind of, they don't want to challenge Biden. They don't want Jen, to. It is fucking March, bro. I'm worried. <laughs> but like Gavin Newsom is making himself seen. John Tester is making himself seen. So they're they, they won't attack the power base of the Democratic Party, but I think they're hoping Biden gets shown the door, whether it's through his health or through um, you know, whatever it takes. Unfortunately, Biden's ego is such that he believes he's the only one who can beat Trump, and he's probably the only Democrat who can't. Only legitimate Democrat who can't. I don't think I, I don't know. I, I, I think Biden will lose Michigan because look, of is because of the Israeli Gaza co- conflict. Tough to win if you don't win Michigan, and Michigan has a huge Muslim population who I don't think they're going to vote for Trump, but they're not going to vote for Biden. And how much did Biden win Michigan by? It was eighteen thousand votes, something like that. It was a small number. Um, yeah, we're. I mean, if 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 the takeaway from all of this is we're fucked. Yeah, I mean that's that, that is, is the, the takeaway. takeaway. It is. That's the absolute takeaway is that we are fucked. I can't, like, I don't want another term of Biden. I just don't, like, I don't want to watch this dude age and die in office. I'm sorry, I just don't. Like, watching him age this last four, the last three and a half years, whatever, has been brutal. So we're going to do that for another fucking four years and have to deal with all this bullshit about, with him mumbling, bumbling, stumbling his way through all this other shit. 
right? I'm done with Hunter. I don't give a fuck about Hunter Biden. I'm tired of that baggage. I'm tired of th- this situation that we're talking about right now in Gaza. Like, I just, that that is the sort of, like, we, uh, you know, I've, I'm on record of saying I didn't want Biden as Obama's vice president because of this type of shit. This, hey, I can make a deal. Let's go in the back room and shake hands and smoke a cigar. All that bullshit from the 70s and the 80s on how everything's a handshake and a fucking jack-off session. Biden represents all of that. And that was evident back in 2007. Right? And it just like and people looked at me like I was fucking crazy. Right? I was like you don't want this guy as VP and you for damn sure don't want him as president. Right? And everyone's, "Oh, he's doing his presidency. They they've done so much." Okay, fine. They have done some good things, but fuck you if you mean to tell me that you think he's the only one. Everything that the Biden administration administration has have accomplished you mean to tell me he's the only person running in the Democrats who could have figured that shit out? Fuck out of here. Come on. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm with you on that. And I, yeah, I'll tell you who I could vote for that is running. I could vote for Nikki Haley. I don't, I'm sure I won't like a lot of her policies, but I think she's sane. I think she actually. Look, I mean, I, I think, I don't disagree with you. I, I can't, it's, it's hard because she does have some garbage policies, but. I think at the end, like what she should should do, is pull out and run as an independent. Run as an independent. If like if you run as a Republican, you're gonna lose. As an like you don't have a chance running under the Republican ticket because the Republican ticket is Trump's ticket, right? I don't care what the last you know sane conservatives have to say. The Republican Party has been lost to Donald Trump. It is MAGA. It is Trumpism. It is it, it. It has evolved into that. Your party no longer exists. People talk about how the Republican Party switched from you know the party of Lincoln to the party of Reagan, and they went from you know yay let's let's free the slaves to hey fuck black people. Okay, well you had that transition that happened in the fifties and the sixties, right? And now it's transitioned into whatever Trumpism, however you want to define it. Yeah. Right. So your conventional old school Republicans. You guys don't have a home anymore. Sorry, you don't. So Nikki Haley has no chance in winning as as currently as, as things are currently set up. So if she steps out, right, even though I have some serious issues with a lot of her policies and some of her waffling, I think that that may be the only chance for anything. For anybody, right? Like, cause I can't, I, like, I, I really, like, I don't know if I can actually vote for Biden. I for damn sure can't vote for Trump, but I can't. I can't sit out and not vote either way. Right? So Nikki Haley, you you could like instead of doing this insane thing of continuing to run because she's just like she didn't even win her own state. So at that point, like she's got, but she's not back out. And I get just step out, run as an independent. And maybe, just maybe, you could fuck shit up enough to where it, it ends up being you. I mean, third parties don't have a chance typically I, but well, this no, is i'm not i'm not just typically with your... but this is such a different <laughs> landscape typical is an adorable word right now isn't right it? i mean like this is such a different landscape right like I, I i just if you can just fully separate her where she can just fully deny like look she she can get money yeah right nikki haley can get money right and i think she could pull money from both sides 
right? People there, because there's enough people that are just like that are seeing the that are seeing what's happening with Biden that are like, what the fuck are we doing on the Democratic side? There are people on the Republican side that are just like Trump and his people are fucking dangerous. What the fuck do we do? Sure, right? And those people have like, and you could you could end up seeing the joining of of these nefarious forces that the Koch brothers. And I, I don't know about George Soros or whatever, but you could see those forces coming together to support a person like Nikki Haley. Now, the extremes on either side will hate that. But you got enough people in the middle where you might just be able to pull it off if you time it up right and you, you get the right money behind it. And you need to account for the fact that there's what the people you hear from the Republican side are Trump loyalists, whatever, you know, cultists, whatever. The, the people who, I, I, I've talked to several Republicans who have, and this is man on the street shit, very anecdotal, I get it. But there's plenty of folks I've talked to who are like, I, my party has left me, I don't know what to do. And a lot of them are saying, I could vote for RFK. So they're kind of saying about RFK Jr., what I'm saying about Nikki Haley, um, which is like, not someone whose policies I like, but he's enough of this and he's not Biden. He's I can't not deal with his voice. I'm sorry. It is pretty I brutal. Can't. It's I pretty can't. brutal. I, and like, I, I know it was an accident or something. He got like punched in the throat or stuck a cockle, knew my dick in the mouth. I don't care. I, all I know is that his voice is terrible. It is. Um, but like, and that's a terrible reason to not re- vote for re- someone. It, it really is. But I just can't like, I can't <laughs> take you seriously. <laughs> Thank you for acknowledging. Right, I, I own it. I own it. Like, it's yeah. super superficial. I mean, it's not much better than me not wanting to watch fucking Joe Biden turn into the crypt keeper but it is what it is so i don't know i think the move is to try to somebody get to nikki haley and get her um to go as an independent like that's that like and she's got time not a ton but she's got time and i just i think i like is she's got some garbage policies as as it relates to uh um, reproductive rights yeah reproductive and a lot of that stuff but I mean, she's going to be two way friendly, which, you know, obviously is, that's a win is, for me. Right. Well, it's a win, but it's also a win for electability. Like yes. everyone talks Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom would play out like Michael Bloomberg. Yes. He's going to go to some, he's going to, I mean, Michael Bloomberg, I if you remember, him. went to South Carolina and talked about, we need I, re- I remember clearly because what did I say? I was like, as long as he stays away from the gun issue. He doesn't have to flip, although it, I've said it for years. You get the right Democratic candidate, right, to just flip. If you get the DNC to flip on gun control, they would never lose another election. But fine. But Michael Bloomberg, all he had to do was go to Tennessee and not talk about guns. And that motherfucker went there and did a whole campaign that was anti-gun, and he got his dick blown off. And it's like, oh, my God. Well, because... Look, we've both experienced it. We've both spent plenty of time on the East because Coast. They live making, a- apparently making $63 billion doesn't make you any fucking smarter or savvier. It does, well, but they don't relate to anything outside of their fucking bubble. So in their mind, like, oh, everyone thinks like me because I'm in big... Everyone wants to be in Manhattan because I'm in Manhattan. Everyone thinks like me because I'm in Manhattan. Well, dude, they don't. Right. And it's not just the rednecks in rural Virginia and rural Georgia. It's people like you and me. Yeah, you, see, you know, I mean, would I have voted for Michael Bloomberg over Trump? I would have, but at the same time, Dude, I would have. I, like, if <laughs> I wish I could sit down and talk to him, Michael Bloomberg. It's like, bro, all you had to do, like, if I could have talked to him before, I'm like, look, I I get it, right? Your little anti 
confrontational guy and you don't like violent, all that other stuff. I get it. But we got to talk about practicality here, right? Like, I, I, I would have taken Michael Bloomberg in a heartbeat. All he had to do was flip his stance on guns, and then... Like, all he had to do was shut the fuck up about it, because right. no one's going to do any... That's the other thing. You know, the right-wing reaction to Obama was, the, the, the you know, the federal uh, imperialists are going to come in and take our guns away, and we can't have that, so we're going to, we're going to, you know, um, you know, buy all the ammo off the shelves of Dick's Sporting Goods, and, you know, and then nothing happens, because... The Democrats aren't going to do anything. As much as a Bloomberg might want to, he's not going to have support in from Democrats in states that aren't New York and California, and maybe not even in those states. Um, we need but, to get into, when you're done with this project, we need to get into reloading ammunition, by the way. Sure. I'm all for it. I've got a workbench in my basement. Um, I just spend I, so much money on ammo. It's insane. Okay, well... <laughs> I would, I would, I would love to do that. Uh, get a star press. Just, I would even try to automate it, but that would scare me a little bit because it's automated. Need to automate it, right? We just need to, you know. Star presses are. Well, I actually looked into getting one, like about, I know. and it was they, you, you couldn't get them. Right, but <laughs> there was we might on the shelf. We might be able to now, right? You know what? I'll start keeping my eyes out for that, and we'll look. We're, we're talking two twenty three and nine millimeter. I care more about nine millimeter than two twenty three, but anyway. Three hundred blackout. Okay, well, we'll <laughs> it's different. It's a different round. Okay, but I'm just it's saying different round. we're not we're now talking about. But you're the engineer, and I need you to understand like how to you know make that shit make sense because I don't want my fucking gun to blow up. Well, <laughs> the worst thing. All right, we're going okay, way sorry, off the anyway. <laughs> This so. is what we talked about at lunch when other people don't have to listen to us being fucking knuckleheads. Um, so, but yeah, Nikki Haley refuses to drop out. Um, but I think guess she, who did drop? Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell. He, well, he just stepped down from his leadership role. Um, uh, in in the on the Republican side, he's still a senator. Uh, he's not sure if he's gonna run again. I can't imagine. Like he's had, he literally he has, looks like talk he, about looking like the crypt keeper. Yeah, my he, God, I, exactly. And I don't even know what the debate is. Mitch. If the crypt keeper crypt keeper fucked a teenage mutant ninja turtle, you get Mitch McConnell. I had to get a turtle joke in there. Mm. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Um, he reminds me more of the turtle from, like, the Looney Tunes. I couldn't come up with a different turtle. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Anyway, um, yeah, attacking this poor old man's looks. Uh, but he's stepping away from the leadership role. Um, you know, the question is, like, so here's the thing. The way it works, though, like, if he, like, he's not going to step down from office during his term, right? He may just not run again because, and, and even if he did, it doesn't matter because of the way he rigged it in Kentucky. If he did step down, they'd have to replace him with a Republican, right? Like, so the, it's sure. whatever. So like where other states, like it's the governor's choice and they can pick whoever they want. They can pick Democrat, Republican, whoever they like. Um, but I, I would have to hope that he just decides to not run again. And because part of it, yeah, it's politics. I don't like watching these people just literally... Like, it's one thing to see a person go from youthful 20s and 30s, you know, watching an NFL player come in as a rookie and then leave when he's 40. Like, you know, LeBron James, like, came in the league at 18 and now he's in his, he, you know, he's in his Over 40s threes. and he's, he's, you know, considered the elder statesman of the league. He's literally, you know, playing against coaches that he played against. 
right? Like, so head coaches for teams are now, or were guys that he played against who maybe played that maybe younger than him in some of these yeah, instances, maybe. which is crazy. But it's a whole different thing watching these, you know, watching someone like a Joe Biden who, you know, was in the Senate and in, or in government before I was born, literally, right? And now this guy's been around, been around, been around, been around. And now I'm like, I got to watch this guy age till his death in office? The difference is LeBron James is in a merit-based job. If he stops scoring points... He stopped. He's going to get less played. I mean, and he he'll get a break. Yeah, but I, I, I'm not even talking about the specifics of the job. I'm just saying, like, it's one thing. Like watching a guy, watching a sports player play for 20 years, and seeing him age is one thing, right? And you could say, oh man, it's crazy. Like I'm aging with this guy. Whole different thing to watch a politician age, them still be in office, right? And then you're sitting there wondering if that guy could possibly die in office due to his age, right, or her age. Right, Diane Feinstein. You better say we saw a perfect example of this. Right, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yep, two right? people who could not let go. Right, Mitch and, McConnell. And yeah, right. We're watching it right now. Right, uh, uh, Joe Biden. Donald Joe Trump. Biden. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Bird. Uh, uh, Robert Bird. Robert yep. Bird. Yep. Um, like just uh, like all. It's just like guys. What like there's like we have to start to think about. Like, some sort of age limit on this shit. Here's the funny thing. We have an age limit on the lower end. Right. Well, we, should have, we should have one on the upper end. And I, and I don't think it has to be you need to retire at 65, although I don't think that's crazy. Um, but, um, yeah. I mean, we're... And, and, Just think about this. pure ego. Good. Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll are younger than Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Right? And the NFL has told both two of the greatest coaches of all time... Yeah, you're too old for this job. So, thank you for your service. You can consult. You can do yeah. some TV stuff. But you are not going to be in a position of power anymore in this league. Thank you. See you later. And I was mentioning merit-based. Both of those guys have had recent success. I mean, you know, but like you said, it's like, okay, great. You did some fantastic things for our organization. We appreciate you. We want to send you off on a, you know, with with a with a positive feeling and a and a handshake, but you can't do this anymore. Here's a rocking chair. Yeah, right. When Kareem retired, they actually gave him a rocking chair. Yeah, remember Kobe, that? Yeah, Kobe got one too. Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay. I think it was a joke. But oh yeah, it's probably. Anyway, but it's yeah. always a joke. It's always yeah. a. But. Uh, so then we've got the governorship of Missouri. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. you brought this to my attention. I don't know much about it, other than he's is he an active member. In the Ku Klux Klan? Uh, so he, so this guy. I don't uh, know what that means even, but. Wait, what? What, what active member mean? Like, I don't, is he putting well, on the robe and, and. So his name, his name is Daryl McClanahan the third. That tracks. Um, and he says he was only an honorary KKK member, uh, but he is a pro-white man who acknowledges going to a religious Christian identity cross-lighting ceremony. Uh, cross light, they call it cross lighting. Yeah, uh, religious Christian identity cross lighting ceremony. Okay. Um, it sounds so innocent. Candidate uh, for uh, governor in Missouri uh, was unlikely to win, but um, you know the issue is is that like the so the GOP in Missouri is like, oh, we didn't know this, so we're going to try to get him removed from the ballot. But based off their own rules, state rules, whatever, he paid his money. He's already on the ticket. 
And so it kind of goes to, yeah, you probably should have vetted him before you accepted his money, but you didn't. So now you can't get him off the ticket and he's not going to step down. So this guy is just going to be able to run, uh, even though now they say it's unlikely that he will win, which thank God I would hope so. Um, but it, it doesn't bode well. It's not a good look for the GOP who will, you know, go out of their way to talk about not being racist, kind of as we talked about earlier with some of the people you were dealing with at your hotel. Um, and they'll sit there and say, oh, we're not racist, and Trumpism isn't racism, and blah, blah, blah. As long as you think like us, we don't care what race you are. But then, like, you have examples of this where it's just like, are you sure? Because there's this guy, right? And they go, well, he doesn't count. Like, all right, but what about this other guy who's doing the same thing? Well, he doesn't count either. Um I don't want to sit there and blanket this guy and say this. He is the representation of the entire GOP and the Republican Party. But he and his ilk and the other buddies that are in the KKK with him in Missouri, whether they're honorary members or not, the people that are having cross-lighting ceremonies, right, out in the fields, um, they're with you. They're They're definitely not Democrats, right, in this day and age. Because they love to talk about how the KKK was started by Democrats. That is true. Yeah. But everybody in the KKK right now, none of them are voting for the D's, right? Right. They're all voting for the R's, and they all support Donald Trump. So, yeah. Um, I, well, I, I mean, that, that, <laughs> sw- that flip switch got flipped in the 60s with Lyndon Johnson, and, you know, no, Republicans love to claim the other party of Lincoln, and like, okay. In 1860, Look, you I think you got to be careful. I, I mean, I could, I could, we could really go back and do a deep dive, and I could make an argument that some of the democratic policies that have come out over the last like 50 years have been very detrimental to black people. And so, uh, did they really switch? And is it just a like a nefarious cover up? Um, that's a little bit too conspiratorial. Um, I think that they just had some policies that missed. They have had some really good policies in support of, you know, kind of closing that gap. But the reality is, is that we all know that the, that that shift in mentality occurred and then again you can sit there and talk about whoever started it but again you look at who they support who do they vote with now members of the kkk uh anybody wearing a fucking swastika anybody waving a confederate flag none of them are voting for democrats they are all voting for you supporting you and your efforts and you have a tough time right pushing them away Right and saying no, we don't support that until you get called on it openly and publicly. Okay, and I'll say at least to me, when they're talking to me, even then, they'll probably puss out when they're talking to you. Mm. But I'm a white guy with a shaved head. Yep. People look at me and go, "Oh, he's one of us." And then at the bar after there's like liberal this, liberal that. I, I looked at one guy and said, "I'm a liberal." Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah, but you're cool. I'm like, "Oh, well, thank you. I feel special that you're accepting me." Mm-hmm. And and. Here, here's something else I do want to say. The one one guy in particular, a nice guy. I mean, talking to him, he's talking about his kids, and he's, you know, he's very socially liberal. He one this guy did not say anything racially inappropriate. He was a, a former Marine, and everything was you know rah rah military, and 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 um, this one particular guy and I did have several you know pleasant conversations. It was the it was the crusty old white people at the bar, and I know I'm a crusty old white person. But, um, you know, it's saying... True. It's true. Thanks. <laughs> Th- thanks for not sticking up for me. Um, but, yeah, whatever. Um, and, and so it's, it's, it's awkward for me when I'm sitting there, 
and I'm not looking for sympathy or empathy, but it's awkward for me for people to talk to me like, we're cool, right? And have to, you know, sometimes I'll just let it slide. If that makes me a pussy, fine, I'm being a pussy. But sometimes I don't let it slide, and then my ability to be a dick comes in very handy. Mm-hmm. All right, man, we should wrap this up fairly soon. Um, uh, so NFL Combine is going on right now. I think it wraps up today or tomorrow. Um, biggest thing of note to kind of come out of it is Xavier Worthy out of Texas, 6'1", wide receiver, ran a 4-2-1. That is blazing. Man was on his horse. Um, so he breaks the record that was held previously by John Ross. Um, that's fast. I thought, um, I thought Deion Sanders ran like... Four two one or four two zero. Um, I think, but maybe not at the combine. Dion didn't day. run it at a combine, and I think that's the issue with it. But either way, it's still like scorching well, fast. There's oh no, my I God. mean, right? Like, I mean, this guy, he just like it. Now it'll be interesting to see can he use it on the field, right? right. Uh, John Ross ran that record and or ran that speed, but like. You know, kind of. Yeah, he was a, okay. a solid player, but didn't. Right, but like, it, you know, I mean, he's kind of like a, a very much a. Um, a James uh, Jet type? <laughs> no, what was it? Who, who am I thinking? Or uh, Al Davis kind of guy. Right, right. Right, can run super, super duper fast, but can't do a whole lot else. Um, you know, and Tyreek Hill is sort of like really the exception, right? Like, so Tyreek Hill ran like a 4 2 3 or something like that, which again is insanely fast, but Tyreek Hill is a very good route runner, right? right? And he's very good at catching the football and has a very high football IQ. And that is where that speed is dangerous because there was a guy, the the, the Browns drafted a guy. Um, oh, man, I can't even think of the guy's name. But the, the Browns draft, uh, they drafted a guy in like the third round uh, a couple years back. And he was another guy who ran like a 4-2-3 and everyone's like, oh, he's the next Tyreek Hill. Browns fans were like telling me, I'm like, Dude can't catch the ball and he can't run a route. And like, he's the next Tyreek Hill. You don't know what you're talking about. You're just a hater. You're a Steeler fan. I'm like, okay, well, except he can't catch and he's not good at running routes and he's a receiver. So I don't, you know, right. and people got really shitty with me. The Browns released him last year, like right. before, like before camp was even over, they're like, get out. Um, like speed is great, but can you apply it on the field? Now he was very effective at Texas. Um, so I think he'll be he'll, he should be pretty good in the league, um, but it'll just be interesting to see. Can sure. you run an actual route? Can you read a defenses? Can you throttle down, um, find the open zone, and then can you quickly get the motor running to get the ball react and move? Um, Tyreek Hill is very good at that, and I keep using him because you know comparable yeah. speed. This guy is taller, right? Longer, leaner than a Tyreek Hill. He's six one. Tyreek Hill is maybe five ten. Uh, so that's a different body type, and so we'll see what this guy can do. Um, well, look at DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf fell into the third round. He ran, didn't run four two something, but I think he was in the four threes. Mm-hmm. And he's also six three two forty or two thirty. Right. And he, did, I mean, looking back, there's a lot of teams that said we passed on that guy three times. Yeah, that's it's listen. The NFL it's so hard to predict like what a guy is going to be like right now. Talking about all these different quarterbacks and like looking at it like it's like if you look at all the quarterbacks taken in the you know taken number one or like the last or in the top five over the last you know five years, you know except you know save for like a C.J. Stroud and and a couple other guys, like you got a lot of 
busts. Yeah. Right out there. I mean, look um, at the Josh Allen Lamar Jackson draft. Yeah. There were I mean, three quarterback, two quarterbacks taken before Josh Allen, three or four taken before Lamar Jackson. Was, that and, the, was Josh Rosen in that draft? He was. Right. Like Josh, Rosen, Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen played like one year and has been out of the league for two years now. Um, you know, I mean, Baker, you can say what you want about that was a circumstance. I mean, Baker's basically. about to sign a $100 million contract, yeah. so Baker's right. doing all right. Sam Darnold is backing up in San Francisco. San Francisco. Right. So but Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson yep. have been by far the best two performers out of that draft class. Right. And they were the third and fifth quarterbacks drafted. Mm hmm. Um, but anyway, so, okay, all right. yeah, so, so the combine's going. So, I, I mean, it doesn't, like, you know, people put, uh, it, it gets a lot of pub, and the NFL network does a great job of marketing and everything else. Um, and look, guys can definitely impact their draft position there. I, I would argue that they probably shouldn't because the game, it should be based off what you do in games. Um, but look, guys have definitely skyrocketed up the draft boards because of their performances here. Um, and look, I mean, I just, I'm yeah. talking about my nephew earlier, like his performance at the, at the combine portion of this, uh, helped him a lot. Like, I mean, Steve Weiss from the NFL network was talking about him. Doug Williams was talking about him, um, you know, singled him out multiple times. Uh, you know, like there, there was a lot of buzz about him based off of his performance at the combine. And that's why things like this are important because it shines a spotlight on guys individually, um, and it can open up opportunities and pathways that maybe didn't exist prior to. So Yeah. And sometimes a guy who goes to a smaller school gets a chance to show up and play with or, or compete with these yeah. guys in the combine and get gets noticed. Um, yeah, we saw that with the court with the corner back uh, out of Toledo, right? He ran a blazing time. Um, I wanna say Quentin Mitchell, I think okay. his his name is, uh, but he's a cornerback out of Toledo. Uh, kid can absolute fly, and he was a demon um, as a corner. Uh, UMass mm-hmm. played against him and literally could not complete a pass on his side of the field. So, and old school Buffalo Bill Don Beebe, blazing fast at the at the combine. I want to say he played at Chardon State. He played some very small school. He would have never gotten noticed, but he goes and competes with these other guys and runs. Mm-hmm. He ran in the four like a four two eight, yep. and um, ends up being a Hall of Fame special teams player. That's Steve Tasker. Oh, Don right, Beebe right. was Don Beebe was a serviceable back, uh, serviceable uh, uh, receiver. Right. Sorry. Um, all right, man, let's wrap this up. Um, good seeing you. It's been a while. We are at Whiskey Congress on Instagram and Twitter, and we're done.